Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in and making this podcast a part of your day today. I am your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, guys, it's good to be here. Well, guys, I'm uh, really excited about what we're going to be talking about this week because, I, to be honest with you, I haven't really heard many people talking about this subject, and that is aging in youth ministry. Yeah. I mean, well, let's be honest. How many 60-year-old youth pastors do you know? That's true. That's true. I think, <laughs> I think my, my youth pastor, who's at the same church, that uh, he's been there for, good gosh, almost 30 years. Um, I think the last he was a youth pastor, he transitioned different roles, went back to the youth pastor, and now he's in another role again within the church. But yeah, there's not many people uh, that I can think of on top of my head that's above 40. Yeah. yeah. And and I think maybe some of that could be the fact that in the history of the church, uh, youth ministry as a ministry is still young, um, relatively speaking. Uh, if you look through the history of that. So I think that maybe part of it, there's just not as many uh, centuries of history like other uh, offices in the church be like your senior pastor, obviously. But uh, I'm excited because uh, the guy we're interviewing today, his name is Rick Harris, and uh, he is not just a a veteran youth worker of 30 plus years, but he is also a friend. And he mentored me at my first church for three and a half years. And so uh, I showed up and you guys will hear some of this in the interview. Uh, but, you know, I showed up at my first church and I found him and I said, hey, can I learn from you? And he said, sure. And so uh, we got together on a regular basis and he helped me process through a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a talker and uh, it was nice to have another talker help me process things because it gave me a chance to learn how to be a listener. Um, so in case you guys haven't noticed it, when you see this, the episode's a little long today. Uh, and I, I told Rick ahead of time, I was going to tell you guys this, but he, he's a talker. So, um, although it's a little long, I can tell you, uh, from experience and, uh, just, uh, hearing the wisdom that he has, uh, the content today is going to be extremely valuable no matter where you are in youth ministry. So if you're a young guy starting out in like your early twenties, or if you've been doing it for a while in your 30s or been doing it for a really long time in your 40s or maybe even some of you out there who are listening in your 50s, uh, there's going to be some, some golden nuggets of wisdom for you guys as we have today's conversation. Absolutely. I learned so much personally just by listening to this interview. And yes, it's long, but it's captivating because the mm-hmm. content is so, so good. So tune in as we talk with Rick Harris.
Well, guys, thank you for joining us today. Um, I am super excited because I not only get to interview uh, someone who has been in youth ministry for quite a long time, but I also have the privilege of calling him a mentor and a friend. Um, I first met Rick Harris when I got my first job as a youth pastor back in 2014, and I met him at a luncheon for youth pastors in our area. And after the lunch was over, I just walked up to him and I said, hey, um, you're an old guy with experience. <laughs> you mind if I just kind of ask you some questions and bounce stuff off of you occasionally? And if I remember correctly, uh, Rick, your response was, well, I got to eat. So you want to meet for lunch on Wednesday? And for the next three and a half years, almost every single Wednesday, we sat down for an hour or two at lunch and just talked ministry and, and shared uh, wins and losses and struggles and victories. And uh, it was a great time. And through that, uh, Rick had a a project he was working on, which we'll get into a little bit later. But for now, uh, Rick, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, tell everybody what you're up to today. Okay, thanks, David. You know, this is a once again, it's a great privilege to be able to do this. And uh, I hated when you moved away because it was a lot of fun Wednesdays and uh, fun as in just a great time to brush shoulders, uh, wrestle with aspects of youth ministry because there are the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do think having somebody to do that with helps. Uh, and I think for me, it's key to longevity, uh, which I've been doing this over 30 years uh, in youth ministry, but uh, I'm now at the church I'm serving at now for two years. Uh, and I talk about that a little bit longer, uh, a little bit more, a little later, but anyway, here, uh, serving, but been doing youth ministry 30 some years and uh, just love teenagers. I uh, love working with teens. Uh, also love working at the local church. My heart has been local church ministry. And so that's kind of where I've invested my life. I do have a wife who's been by my side in youth ministry for all these years. Uh, also has her own ministry with an inner city ministry here in our area in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, so she has her ministry there as well as all by my side in youth ministry. We have uh, four kids, all adults, uh, three are married. And uh, at this stage, we have six grandkids and we have one more on the way. So I've kind of entered a different world and especially for a lot of youth ministers. There's some that have grandkids, but not a lot. And uh, so that's kind of where we're at on that. And then at, during the COVID thing, uh, I really felt like as people are re-evaluating lots of stuff, like what do we want to do in ministry? Uh, what are we doing in ministry? Uh, what's God leading us to do? Uh, I did launch then a YouTube channel uh, that, that I just kind of focus in on youth ministry through experience. So it's nothing deep uh, as in I'm not looking at, uh, let me do some great deep research. This is just my gut for most of the stuff I'm doing saying, okay, <clears throat> this is what I want to talk about. I want this, my last one that, that I, uh, well, the one I'll come out, I guess, Tuesday is how many hours a week should you work as a youth minister? Mm. What's, what's the good option for how many hours you should work? which will give you a thermometer. Of, do I need to work a little more? Or do I need to work a little less? And most of us are workaholics. If we're married, our wives are telling us that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm hoping that this helps us to be able to better work on our schedule and feel comfortable in the schedule we have based on the hours we work. And so that's the kind of practical advice I'm doing now just on my YouTube channel and then serving in my local church here uh, for mainly as a youth pastor and then helping out in other staff situations like we all wear a few extra hats. Oh yeah, I'm I'm wearing extra hats right now too, especially when it comes to tech and video editing. Um, but yeah, that I've I've been enjoying the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm trying to keep up. I'm several videos behind. Um, but uh, 
I remember, I think the, my favorite one so far, and this is just one of those weird things that kind of sticks with you from the moment you hear it. But uh, I remember when we first got together pretty early on, uh, you taught me how to tape something to a wall properly, and which I didn't know was a thing uh, until then. Um, but there's a video on your channel now that's about how to tape stuff to a wall, which you may think like, really, we need a tutorial about how to tape stuff. But, uh, as much as it can, it'll change your life if you do it the right way. Um, so I would definitely encourage you guys to check that out. We'll have his, uh, his information in the, in the description of the channel and the, and the show later, uh, once we post this up. But, um, you mentioned that you've been doing this for over 30 years, which is incredible. Um, and I think I remember you telling me at one point that you've been doing uh, youth ministry for over 30 years, but you did backslide for a couple of years and you were a senior pastor and then you went, got back into it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I got stuck there uh, a couple of years, did that, bought me. And that was the aging out process. You know, I was in my 40s, uh, church situation went bad. And so it was kind of like, oh, maybe God's going to lead me then. I'm supposed to be a pastor. Maybe that's just, it's that time. I'm in my 40s and I'm supposed to do this. But, Man, I, I did that, and I still just remember sitting at my desk, and a, and a youth flyer would come across my desk as the pastor of this church, and I would just drool, you know. And so I began to pray, God, you either need to change my heart or change my location because this is killing me. And God opened back up a door for me to get back into youth ministry after two years of pastoring. It taught me a lot of respect for the lead pastor, for mm -hmm. sure. So God used that in, in his sovereignty. But, man, I, I just so missed youth ministry and was so thrilled to get back into youth ministry and kind of in the trenches of, hanging out with teenagers and pointing them to Jesus. So, Well, that, that's awesome. And that, that is primarily the reason that uh, we're having you on today because uh, the project I mentioned earlier that you were working on was uh, your thesis for your doctoral degree with Liberty University. And uh, that thesis was about the aging process in youth ministry for the youth minister. And I was excited because um, I think if I remember correctly, you did it by decade um, yes. kind of like the twenties, thirties, forties. So if you could, um, just kind of take us through the thesis process. Um, not necessarily like how you wrote it, you know, and all the laborious hours of taking over entire rooms in your house to do it, but like, uh, just kind of what led to that, uh, what the desire was, um, upon completion and then kind of what that, uh, what that aging process and, and really the goal of longevity in youth ministry looks like for a guy who is in the youth ministry realm. I can start with uh, a story that when I first started the school, one, I was, I surrendered to ministry as a teenager uh, at 13 years old at 14 years old. I felt like God was leading me into youth ministry. I uh, backslid a little with, because of a girl and anybody who does youth ministry, you understand, <laughs> watch your kids. Yep. Watch your kids go through this thing. And I said, you know, the thing that Satan uses to pull kids away are three things. Uh, and that's a job a car, which many times go together, and then somebody of the opposite sex. <clears throat> and God hit me with, the, you know, or Satan hit me with those, and I ended up slipping for sure. I uh, moved away from my call and came back to it after I got married. God blessed me with a wonderful wife who had a heart for ministry too. So when I came back to ministry, it wasn't like, oh, no, you don't. It was like, oh, man, this is what God had done in my heart, and I kind of wasn't really following God in that either. And so we walked together in this. So as I started school, I had a guy that I was going to, down to Liberty with to, to, to visit the school, uh, to register for some classes. And he was a church planter working on his degree. And he asked me, what was I going to do? And I said, youth ministry. And he said, well, you need to get a different degree than that. And I still remember the conversation because I said, but this is what God's called me to do. And he looks at me in the car and he says, 
who do you know that's over 30 who's still doing youth ministry and effective? Mm. And at that time, the only guy that came to my mind was Jack Wurtson. Uh, hey, we're alive. And, and he said, but he's an administrator. You know, he's not like in the trenches. And I said, well, that may be so. But at, at that stage, I couldn't think of another guy who was in youth ministry, you know, past their 30s, like 40 and above. Uh, so that really settled in with me like, oh, man, but God has called me to this. So that kind of started this process uh, that that you could do this for life. And then when I went to college, I had professors saying there are some great teachers that are in their 60s in the high schools and middle schools of America. And nobody questions their effectiveness. Hmm. Why do we question the effectiveness of youth ministry? And so as I began then my doctoral studies, uh, and you got to come up with this topic and what can you do? And, and uh, I was like aging in youth ministry. Uh, I had been in the business world before because I was late getting into ministry in that way. I had been in the business world before and in, in man management development, you go through all these developmental psychology studies about how adults change and, and you go, oh, well, this is exactly like me and that kind of thing. And so you're going like, man, I, I, I wonder if you could take youth ministry, look at developmental psych interview and survey youth ministers and see how do we change as we age to help give us a better process in, in aging, give us a vision of how to age, be okay with the aging process. So you're not a 50 year old guy trying to act like a 20 year old guy, oh, you know, that you're okay with that and you see purpose. And so could I do that for youth ministers? So that was kind of my vision behind that. And then on the secondary was, and then help search committees better understand who they're trying to get to be a youth minister. Uh, because most, most in pastors and youth ministers, they, the, the primary criteria is two things. Education, do they have a degree that we're asking for based on how much we're willing to pay? And number two, how old are they? And resume, resumes are sorted by those two things. And then they begin the process. And, and I'm not downing committees because how do you sort through 150 resumes? Yeah, you're not kidding. That's a lot to go through. <laughs> those are the two things that they pull on. And for a youth minister, it's somewhere between that 25 to 35 or 30 to 40 year old mark. And they don't consider the benefits of older or the requirements of younger. And, and so you end up with this bad turnover uh, in the youth ministry area. And, and I, was, I was hoping to help committees also maybe understand a little bit better how to hire, who they want to hire. And, and so that was kind of the heartbeat that drove this. And then the fact that when I started writing, I was in my 50s, you know, like my middle 50s as I started writing. So I'd been doing youth ministry for a long time. Yeah, well, and I remember, I think you, I think you were the one that told me that um, most job interviews in ministry, whether it's the senior pastor or the youth pastor, um, our realm is youth, so it, we're more used to it. But uh, most first interviews are kind of like a first date. You're both lying to each other. Um, you're, you're putting forth your best qualities and you're hiding all of your worst ones. And, um, and that's not super helpful because then you're not actually sure, you know, the committee's not sure who they're getting for real. And you're not sure what the church is actually like. And, and more often than not, I would say, and, and uh, feel free to uh, weigh in on it, but I would say that uh, most youth pastors, once they get hired, after they start, that's when they find out what the church is really like, uh, rather right. than how it was described to them during the during the job interview. And um, and I think you're right. I think you know, uh, looking for there's something about looking for a youth pastor that makes people want to look for a 
young guy because he's going to be with the youth. So he's got to be young. And I guess in, in your brain, that sounds good, but in practice, it maybe it doesn't seem to be uh, such a good idea. So uh, what was the breakdown for uh, how the, the thesis worked itself out? Yeah. Well, one, I did the, I did 20 year or 10 year increments. Um, and so, it, and once again, anytime you do development of psychology analysis like this, anytime you begin to classify, uh, we're all aware, none of these are clear cut. I mean, cause I went from 20 to 29 doesn't mean at 30, everything changes, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, so recognize that there is some flexibility in this. These are some general guidelines, but I did them in 10, 10 year increments. Uh, the 20, the 20 somethings, the 30 somethings, 40 somethings, 50 somethings, and 60 somethings. And even though the 50 somethings and 60 somethings, there's so much similar there. The biggest difference is once a youth minister gets into their 60s, they're beginning real transitionary thought uh, that you really don't have in your 50s typically because it's it's a longer spread before you leave. I mean, where I'm at now at 61 years old, I've already begun to lay the groundwork of me leaving someday. Uh, and my, my schedule retirement is 67, uh, for my social security and all that. So I've still got several years, but I'm already parents and the church as a whole has already begun to think in terms of passing the baton as opposed to me leaving and somebody else taking over. Uh, and so we'll, we're, we're beginning to plant that strategy. Why? Because I'm 61. It's easy to say those words and still look at the kids that we have here and say, but I really care about you. Uh, and I'm looking to be here the whole time with you. Um, I had a kid last night. He's a he's a, a eighth grader. And I looked at him last night and I said, you get to be in an exclusive club. And he said, what's that? And I said, only having one youth minister your whole youth ministry days. Because that's, that's not a very big club. Uh, and so I was able to share. Well, then one of my seventh graders goes, well, you're going to be here when I graduate too, right? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I am. Uh, and, and so that concept there of uh, that, that transitionary aspect uh, is that 60-something. So the, the thesis itself, the goal was to give uh, some taglines that would help people better understand kind of how they interact. And so you've got the tagline concept and then some principles around those taglines to help youth ministers grow and be okay with who they are and committees to better understand what the, these age brackets bring to the church and what do these age brackets, you know, not help the church on? Because if you can understand that, you can better interview. Okay. So you started in the 20s, right? You didn't start yep. in the teens? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I would, I would argue, uh, uh, and it's been a long time since I've read this thesis, and we've talked about it, so uh, I don't remember everything. Um, but I would argue that a little bit of age does help with uh, the wisdom of leading a youth group. So you started in the twenties. What is a what does a twenty-somethings youth minister look like? Well, the twenty-something youth minister. Uh, first, I would say I put that down because a lot of guys enter in their twenties, and I don't want to take away from that because I started at twenty-seven, so I was in the upper end at my first church. Um, but I, so I don't definitely don't want to take away from a younger guy having an opportunity for ministry. But the classification for that is called peer. So at that level, you're a peer. The positive is you, you understand youth culture. You're just outside of youth culture. So you understand the current songs and, you know, what the, the cool words and everything going on, the styles. You, there's so much understanding in that because you just had gotten out of that in a you know, short amount of time. 
I remember in the early days, of course, my early days of youth ministry, there was only like 15 Christian bands. <laughs> that was all the work. But I can remember driving around in the van and playing Name That Tune. And, and, and I could zap out, you know, I'd play a song. Okay, guys, who is it? You know, what's the song? And I could, I could nail them. And now driving around at 61, I'm going like, is that Christian we're listening to? You know, because there's so many things, so many guys out there. And even though I listen to Christian music like all the time, I don't listen from the under from the aspect of understanding who the group is, what the song's saying, those kind of things. It's kind of almost like background music to me somewhat. And and so there's a there was a relational aspect in the peer world where you you have this this concept of I'm just out of youth ministry. The other though that you got to recognize in the peer is this carefree spirit that 20-somethings that have. And including in that carefree spirit is this willingness to take risk. Uh, one cartoon, back in the youth worker journal days, one of my favorite cartoons was the pastor standing next to the youth pastor looking at a bus. And all the kids are up on the luggage rack and all the luggage is in the bus. And the senior pastor's going, I don't care what they want to do. I don't think this is going to work. Uh, you know, Youth Specialties wrote a book, Better Safe Than Sued. Mm. You know, they didn't write that to the 60-year-old youth minister. They wrote that to the 20-something youth minister because of this, this aspect of, uh, you know, let's, let's go for it. Let's take the chance. You know, we're, we're all, we're all going to be out there just driving forward. Uh, so you're going to have that. Um, the other aspect of family, they're just getting into family, uh, probably just getting married somewhere in that zone or just been married. Starting a family, possibly, but not at the very start of youth ministry. So you're dealing with babies, not older kids or teenagers. So those are some things that happen with them. They also carry a more idealistic mindset with them. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. I've got this, you know, I came out of seminary. This is what it's supposed to be. And I can't believe everybody can't see this. Y'all are a bunch of stupid people kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) There's some of that that's in the 20 something. Uh, but they, they, they have a lot more energy and a lot more enthusiasm about what they're doing. I mean, they're really just, they're wanting to go get it. They want to reach the world. Um, I did write, write in a couple of things that I had that came out in the study was, uh, there is a lack of conflict resolution skills. And part of that's because they're so opinionated and they feel like their opinion's right. And so learning how to compromise becomes some difficult in a political world of the church sometimes. And church does have politics. And what I've always said about politics in the church, and I think I said it to you at lunch, politics is not bad. It's when you allow politics to become selfish and self-centered that it gets bad. But there's going to be a mix of people together. And if you want to call that politics or working towards a goal, it's not bad as long as Christ is in the middle of it. Uh, But they struggle with that sometimes. Uh, And my suggestion to committees and to pastors who are considering this age, and I do think there's a place for them, but you better be willing to invest in them. And you want to hire a guy that's got a heart that wants to be invested in because they're going to need some protection. They're going to need to, to have somebody come alongside and give some practical advice to go to lunch with them on a, if not a weekly basis and every other week basis. And don't be the pastor who only calls in a 20 something when they've done something wrong and the rest of the time, leave them alone because you're going to end up replacing that guy in two to four years. And so there, there's the warnings underneath this peer. But the peer has a, a very positive as in they're very close to teenagers. They're very close to their age. Uh, and so the, there is a real positive to the peer relationship. If you have a pastor or a committee, uh, if like if it's an edu- Christian education committee or something, 
and, and he is teachable or she is teachable, you have that chance of really being able to be a part of the process of kingdom work in this 20-something. Yeah, and that you were writing this. Uh, what what year did you finish writing this? Was this back in 2016? twenty sixteen? Yeah, I graduated. No, twenty seventeen is when I finished. Twenty seventeen. Okay, um, you were writing this as I was living out the twenty somethings youth pastor, and so this was like really weird for me because as as because I mean as you went through the process, you were giving me information about how where you were and what you were working on that day or that week or whatever and so when you were describing to me this is what a 20 something uh youth pastor typically you know he, he did the generalizations you have to go through and whatnot i was like holy cow this is exactly my life <laughs> i'm a you know i started uh in 2014 so uh i would have been like 20 26 i think or something like that and uh i had two kids uh, and we were pregnant with our third and we had our fourth while we were there in Roanoke. And then we got, we had the twins when I got out here to uh, Prince George and, uh, and we had all of them. We were done by 30. We were done having kids by 30, you know, unless the Lord decides to change that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've lived like a lot of that stuff that you just said. And a lot of the things that we talked about, you know, I was like, have you been like, you know, are you a fly on the wall in my house or my office at the church? This is exactly the stuff that I deal with, um, which is which is interesting. And it's very intriguing for me because the next section is the 30 somethings and I'm 32. So now I have I'm at the beginning of what should I be looking forward to or what are some things that I need to be looking at? So for the 30 something youth pastors out there, what's life kind of like for them? Well, yeah, first I would say, I go backwards just a second to say what you described when I presented this to a youth minister's lunch. And, you know, when I got through, the guys around the table were all saying the same thing. Like, man, did you follow me? Uh, and, and I laughed, but I remembered in my business world days when I would go through one of these things in management training. Uh, and, and I would go, wow, how did they nail that like that? So it was, it was fun for me to hear people say that because then I felt like I had nailed it uh, fairly well on the, some of these categories. So. The 30-something is mentor stage. So you go from peer to mentor. So you're not a peer. You don't really connect in that way. Uh, but you, you kind of ease into mentoring students, uh, and they see you more as an adult, but still pretty close to them. Uh, the, the 30-somethings end up being for everybody, and this is throughout aging, some of your most productive work years. Um, and so you've got that. You, have, you begin to have children, or you got children in your – in your family that helps you, especially as they get into the older children age, you know, that, that, you know, when you're moving, when you got the cute preschoolers, that's a different stage than when they begin to hit elementary school. Uh, and there's some other changes that happen, you know, because then the next big change after that will be, you know, when, when puberty hits your house, <clears throat> but in those earlier stages, there, there's just a different change in how you deal with your kids. Uh, they're needing money now like they didn't need before, and, and you recognize those kind of things. It broadens you out a little bit more when you realize you don't have as much money as you wish you had kind of concept. So all those things fit in. Um, and so family changes and, and family priorities change, uh, and your family becomes more important uh, than to you. And so now you've got this ministry tug because you really care about your teenagers, uh, but you also care about your family. And so there's a bigger tug that's, that actually becomes there. Uh, you also have, uh, as 
because you've been away from college and seminary long enough, you begin to move away from some of the theoretical, even though that it's a basis of your beliefs, you move away from that to the practical. Uh, and so you begin to wrestle with some of those kind of things uh, that you never really wrestled with, with people involved. Uh, one example is not youth ministry for me, but is in, in the world of weddings and doing weddings. Uh, in seminary, I had a certain belief about whether if somebody lived together, what am I, am I going to marry them? Am I not? What am I, you know, kind of, and I had seminary professors on both sides. You know, one was like, marry them and get them out of sin. And one was like, don't marry them unless they move out. And all of a sudden I've been asked to do a wedding, you know, and, and I've got to make this decision over what am I going to do with this couple who are living together. And so this now becomes my decision. This is who I am. I'm going to brand myself in this area of, of marriages and I'm going to have to hold on to that. So those kind of things happen in our life away from, away from our seminary at times. And so we do become more practical and even in youth ministry and how we do things uh, in youth ministry. Uh, one would be, and even in this, the discipleship thing changes as you age and how you do discipleship. And so it's, it's beginning to change here. When you're in your 20s, it's very easy to think this system is going to work everywhere. I had a guy that was all excited about this curriculum that the Southern Baptists had done. Uh, it was the 66 books of the Bible. So you're supposed to go through in six years, all 66 books, and it's going to be awesome. And so he looks at me and he's telling me how great this is. And I looked at him and I said, so what happens to the kid that comes in in year three? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, right. And so understanding blending theoretical with the, the practical happens in this. The pause of this age is because they do have energy and wisdom and experience are beginning to merge. So you still got a lot of energy, but your wisdom and experience are also gaining. And so in that, those merge to create a pretty solid guy as you're going through your 30s. And so it becomes a, a better youth minister aspect of the pastor is not going to be right there with you. If the pastor kind of wants to turn you loose more. Um, one of the terms in developmental psychology is boom becoming one's own man. And when I read that, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool because in the 30s, you're becoming, you're beginning to settle in who you are and what ministry looks like around you. Uh, so you're, you know, as you move away from college, seminary, it becomes more of who you are and you're more confident in what God has called you to do and how you're going to do it. Um, and so that's, that's a, real, a, a real positive. Defense mechanisms, though, are still strong in the mentor stage. Uh, sometimes because you're becoming your own self, uh, you still take on, you, you still take on battles that as you get older, you may not even worry about being a battle, but you'll still grab for those. Uh, but the, the, the other positive I really like is at this stage, the, the people do begin to seek advice and, and try to be a little more collaborative, be working with more people. Uh, so that kind of sums up the, the stage of the 30 somethings, uh, is, is, so there is this, this bridge. Uh, as you're happening, as you're working, but you are close enough to the students, but on the other side, you are beginning to mature and you're moving towards then the next phase as you kind of process through this. I, I like the uh, the acronym BOOM there, especially because last night, literally last night on a Zoom call, one of my teens called me a boomer. <laughs> I was it's a like, little different, dude, I'm a, I'm a, I, I mean, I, I know it's not the exact same thing, but I was like, dude, I'm a millennial. He's like, same thing. And I was like, no, it's not. Oh, gracious. I mean, I was raised by boomers, but come on, man. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of incredible. The example you gave about the wedding. Cause I actually have a couple that I'm uh, doing a wedding for in October and I mean, they're, they're doing it right, which is good. But, um, the, the girl just graduated from, uh, my youth ministry this last year and the guy graduated the year before that. And he, uh, he just got saved like the, the year prior. And so, uh, it's it's been pretty incredible to to see that and watch them grow but again i mean this is just it's it's very surreal to hear that that description of my own life coming from someone else's mouth um it's just it's just an odd thing which um which kind of is exciting for me because uh it lets lets me know that i i think i'm pointed in the right direction i'm not as far down the path like hopefully i'm further down once i hit 36 38 um but i i have uh, some groundwork laid that looks like I'm heading in the right direction for some of those positives. I definitely understand what you mean by some of those, uh, like the the willingness to hold on to a couple of those fights still. Uh, I, there's some of those I still have a, a grip on <laughs> that I'm trying to let go. Um, but uh, I, I can definitely see that, which that, that makes me excited for what, what youth ministry is going to look like in my 40s, uh, which, I mean, that feels like forever away. But uh, what's what's that going to look like as you move into your as you move into your 40s uh the the term that i use for this is father figure and the the positive of the father figure is most kids like their fathers uh, you know kind of it's like they respect their father so the, the respect issue the challenges really the challenges over respect that you may find in your 20s and 30s begin to fade in in your 40s the kids just naturally if you live a life you know if you live a life, if you've been doing youth ministry for that many years, 20 years, you're going to be living a life that, that will be respectable or else you probably are out of the ministry. But in that, the teenagers give more natural respect. Uh, so even discipline problems are less uh, as you get to that age. One of the negatives I've thrown out jokingly has been my teenagers don't get away with near as much stuff as the 20-something teenagers, youth ministers, teenagers do. Because I, I know all the tricks. You know, it's kind of like I know how to I know how to as Barney Fife would say nip it in the bud. I know how to cut it off early so that we're not worried about it. And some of that comes with that wisdom uh, and that father figure. But you also get respect because you're you're older and the kids naturally will give you that as kind of that father figure. Uh, what you are is less connected to the youth culture. So at this level, as you transition into your 40s, you you do become a cross cultural missionary. And so it's this gradual moving out of, this is not my culture. This isn't the world that I normally would live in if it wasn't for youth ministry. And so you become that cross-cultural missionary. And so you have to do more work. The older you get, the more work you do to understand culture. And you don't have to understand everything, but you got to understand the key cores of culture so that you can minister to the students as you get older and so that you're not totally out of the loop, so to speak. Um, I had a girl come up to me one day in youth before COVID and say, Something like, why don't you do something for me for TikTok? And I'm like, TikTok? What is TikTok? <laughs> I had no clue. I didn't even heard of TikTok at that point. And so she explained TikTok, and I did some other looking. And, of course, I told her no. I said, no, not until I know what it is. And so I did some other looking and stuff. But she was just all enveloped in TikTok at that stage, and I had no clue what it was. But that's okay. And from her eyes, it's okay because I'm a father figure. You know, if I was a peer, they'd look at me like I was a loser. Because I didn't know if I was in that zone, but as a father figure, it's okay. We know you're out of you know, you know you're out of whack 
you know, David, even as we, as we went together and we walked together, uh, those, those years, you made fun of my tennis shoes, uh, because I was, you know, when I wore old man tennis shoes, you said, like your dad wore. And, New balance. <laughs> that's right. And so from that concept, I'm like, I am old David, that's okay. Uh, so within that, some of the, some of the things that came out in the research though, was in, in your forties, especially in youth ministry, uh, some of you, you really begin to settle in on your disillusionments of your former dreams. You know, what, what were you thinking about in youth ministry? What ministry are you going to be in? You know, what are you going to be doing? And, and in my early days, one of the things I really thought was, look, I'm going to, I'm going to put 20 years into youth ministry. And then I'm going to go teach at a college or a seminary with 20 years in my bag. Uh, and here I am at 61 and I'm not in a seminary right now. Matter of fact, when I presented my thesis, I tried to, I sent it out to several seminaries and not one professor called me and had me come and, and guest lecture. Okay. It was like, come on guys. You ought to let me, I mean, even my alma mater did not let me come in and guest lecture. Uh, and I'm going, what is wrong with you guys? This is good stuff. Uh, you know, just give me this little block. Uh, so disillusionment though begins to settle in. And so with that, uh, you have to refocus and re really figure out how God is using you and what God's doing in your life. And, and the concept, of course, is like you start with this size youth group and then you get to go to this size and this size and this size. Uh, and right now I'm in a youth ministry that for one for COVID runs somewhere between 25 and 30, which is about the average size of most youth ministry, uh, ministries. And so my concept was I would be in a youth ministry running 100, 150, you know, by this day, stage, but that's not the case. And so you begin to settle into who you are in the kingdom of God. You begin to process that in your forties that, and fit and into your fifties. It's just, this is just kind of okay. You know, I want to do whatever God's got for me. The feeling of aging out though is huge in your forties. When you look around, you don't see that many guys that are your age. Uh, and you've got this pressure of, of becoming a quote unquote real pastor, you know, that maybe one day you can be what you need to be and uh, that you'll grow up to be that. And, and that's a struggle uh, within, within the world of the forties to fifties. I know that I had that connected to that is kind of that midlife crisis or second adulthood. So you, so you got the norm of that that happens to most men, you know, in that world of, okay, do I buy a sports car or what do I do? But you tag that to a, a ministry that says you shouldn't be doing this in your forties as a culture. And that puts really some extreme pressure on you there uh, in that, which then brings you back to, then you begin to examine and evaluate your success, your effectiveness, uh, trying to find real meaning in your ministry. Uh, who am I? And what am I doing in the saying called ministry? So you think about in your 20s, they told you who you were going to be and what you're supposed to do. But now in your 40s, you're trying to figure out who you are and what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, and so that process bringing you to become either out of ministry or more affirmed in what you're doing in ministry. Uh, and so the effects of others on you uh, are, are not as strong and, and pulling you one way or the other. You're growing into who you need to be. Um, there's an aspect of, of accepting yourself in this process of who you are. And so in your forties, you're really coming to grips with who you are, how God has made you and how God has placed you in the kingdom of God. Uh, so this process kind of begins to settle in there. Um, there is a greater concern for people and showing mercy. Uh, so it's a great spiritual aspect of, of this father figure, this 40 something because you're less likely to, to lash out at, at even sin. I mean, sin is sin, but connected to it as a sinner. 
who needs the love of Jesus. And sometimes that's the, the coming alongside of, sometimes that's a listening to uh, and a caring about. Uh, and, and so loving them towards Christ. And I think you begin to really come into that role in your 40s, uh, which then affects even your discipleship. One of the neat things I saw as a pattern within this process was discipleship. Everybody believes in discipleship, but discipleship in the 20s is focused in on a book, con con what I would call a book kind of concept or a lesson kind of concept. Let me teach you this. The further up you go and the older you get, the more you say, let me walk with you in this process. And, and not that you don't teach about it in your 40s uh, and not that you don't live it some in your 20s, but this essence of come walk with me really settles in to the style of ministry that that 40-something youth minister does, that father figure uh, does. And so all of this gives a, a just a positive of this age bracket for a church to consider. Uh, in my thesis, I give pointers to committees and what to look for. And like in the 20-somethings where I said, if your pastor's not willing to supervise, don't hire this guy. On the 40-somethings, if you've got a church and, and you're really struggling with family issues, as in either families that are at your church that are struggling, or you're in a situation where a lot of the kids that are there don't have a two-parent home, this guy's awesome because he understands family and knows how to walk in and come alongside of, uh, much better than that 20-something. Uh, I just stuck my nose in a conversation uh, on a Facebook post this week where it was, it was dwindling towards bashing parents, you know, and, and just stuck my nose right in there basically to say, number one, God, God is the one who ordained family, and God put family in charge or God put family in, or the family in charge, the mother, father in charge of the family and youth ministry. And I think we, we took a big hit on it. I, I did do a blog on this. We took a big hit on this issue of family ministry away from youth ministry. And I'm a huge proponent of youth ministries uh, that respect family ministry. But I think by when you shift away from youth ministry as not your, one of your priorities and you shift towards this Gen X approach, what you do is you eliminate a safe place for teenagers to grow and develop in their own faith. And so a father figure in youth ministry can really help out in that. So this 40-something zone can really be a key part of the faith development of teenagers as they develop away from their parents' faith to their own personal faith. And so I see a huge benefit of this 40-something person. And that, that's something that I think you were one of the ones that helped reshape my thinking towards uh, the relationship between a youth ministry at a church and the families of the church. Because I used to tell parents, and I, I, would, I think I did this from like day one at, at my last church when I was, uh, you know, when you and I were hanging out. But I used to tell parents, uh, and, and I, I, I spun this as a positive, like, I, I, like I'm doing this for you kind of thing. And I would tell them, I'm a supplement. Uh, when they come here to the youth group, this is a supplement for, for what they're getting at home because your job is the primary job of discipleship and then I'll supplement you know, at, with the youth ministry. And you and a couple other people uh, helped me process through that. And I, I realized, and you guys helped me realize this, that a supplement is typically something that makes up for what's lacking in your diet, <laughs> um, which 
made me realize I was telling the parents, even though I thought I was telling them something good, I was essentially telling them that while you guys blow it, I'm going to try to pick up the slack. <laughs> and I didn't realize I was saying this. So uh, I've, I've readjusted. And now when I talk to parents, I, I tell them like, I'm not a supplement, I'm a compliment. Uh, I'm, I'm tr- my, one of my jobs as the youth pastor and one of our jobs as the youth ministry is if your student is a part of this is, is to compliment what it is that you're doing with them at home is to reinforce the things that you're teaching them at home. Uh, one of the things that I tell parents, um, I tell them if a student comes and asks me for advice on something, uh, I'm going to probably respond the same way my youth pastor responded. The first question out of my mouth is going to be, what did your parents say? Um, because I have had students try to manipulate me and say, hey, I need your advice. And before I check to see what their parents said, I give them my advice, which ends up being the opposite of what the parents say. And then they use that as ammo when they go home. And then I get thrown under a bus. So <laughs> um, I've realized that it's important to, uh, even though I had the mentality of like partnership with parents when I was using the supplement analogy, what I was really trying to convey and what I was actually trying to do was compliment what they were doing so that we were on the same team pushing their family and their students in the same direction. And, and so I'd tell them pretty plainly now, I'm on your team. Your team by proxy means I'm also on your student's team. But if your student decides to go against you, I'm on your team <laughs> because you're the parent. Uh, I'm not their parent. You are. And so there's a certain submission to that authority there. But I think this is something that um, I, I think you're right. When you get up into the 40s and the 50s, I've seen guys that are there. I've, I've watched you do it, that they handle some of those things much more, um, I think deftly would probably be the best term to use. Um, they, they handle it with much more wisdom. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to being that wise someday. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I, I, would, I would also, though, tag one of the, one of the real critical parts here that, to, to understand, and I think in that stage of 40-something, you begin to catch that in reality is that every adolescent from approximately 12, you can drop it, you can argue the age, but 12 to 18, that traditional zone, the parent's goal is to get them from total dependence to total independence. And, and I share with parents all the time, if you can, if you, each child will be different, but your goal is to get them to independence at 18. That includes their spiritual walk. And so where the youth pastor really comes in is we're that safe zone for them to throw out stuff and grow away from their parents' faith to their own personal faith. And so when a parent sees that, when a church sees that as important, it, it so solidifies an aspect of respectability for the youth ministry. But, but we become that safer place for them, the kids to express themselves and to develop themselves. And, and a good youth minister is not looking just for salvations and numbers, but they're looking to develop their students in that role of, of independent faith thinking and living and, and, and working. And, and then that, let me just back up and say, I'm not saying apologetics because there, there's this push for huge amounts of apologetics in teens' lives. And in that huge push, you move away from the love, which is the two great commandments. And, and so I'm not, you, you figure out where that fits in your youth ministry. Uh, I'm not trying to give a judgment one way or the other for you, for me, uh, I've leaned more towards relationships and less at apologetics, even though I still believe in apologetics and teaching that. Uh, so it's not that. It's an aspect of internalizing their faith, that, that they're, you're walking with them wrestling through as they move away from their parents' faith. And so that's a key part of that, and it's a huge aspect within what youth ministry brings 
uh, that that kind of the next gen ministry is not going to have uh, within its ballpark because they're trying. The next gen concept is we've segregated our families so much we need to bring them together. And I think that it's coming off of where we haven't done this well. Uh, and and one of the things in my early days of my thesis, just to tag to that, was youth ministry's only been around since about the 50s because adolescence in itself has only been around since about the 50s. And, and you say, well, wait, I thought that everybody's went through these age. They have, but they went from childhood to adulthood almost instantaneously until the 50s. Uh, with labor laws and edu mandated education and those things, we built in over from like 19, the 1900s, early 1900s to the 1950s, we developed this thing called adolescence. And, and youth ministry and church ministries began to respond to that starting in the 40s into the 50s. And then I came in in the late, I guess, or I guess early 70s, very late 60s, early 70s, I came into youth ministry, but it was still in its infancy state. Uh, so we really haven't been doing this that long. Uh, so we are still trying to figure some things out as we kind of process kids. Well, that, and we're still trying to figure out how to relate to an ever-changing teenage culture. Um, when when I started at Liberty as a freshman, uh, it was back in 2006, and I think I took my first youth ministry class because, of course, like most college students, I changed my major multiple times. Um, <laughs> uh, I I landed on youth ministry. I mean, I was doing ministry almost the whole time I was there, just wasn't sure what kind. And my first youth ministry class, I think in '09. Um, uh, or yeah, I think 09, um, one of the professors said that youth ministry, the, the face of youth ministry, the face of teenage culture changes like every five years. And so by the time where you guys are done with school, you're going to have a whole completely new set of teenagers to deal with that have a completely different way of looking at things. And now that I've been in, in youth ministry for 12 years, um, working with teens, uh, I think it's faster than five years. And I think we're, I think we're pretty quickly approaching uh, less than a year cycle um, because of just the, the huge amount of change and the, the rise in certain technologies and what's capable, uh, what's, what we're capable of doing online on a device of some kind. Um, I, some of the research that's recently come, I think, out of Lifeway has told us that my generation has learned and older has, 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 we've had to learn how to communicate online, but Gen Z has had to learn how to, how to communicate offline. And I mean, that's just, I think that's why I got okay boomered because um, I'm in that older bracket now because I'm not just a millennial, I'm an old millennial. So there's, there's that, that push and that mentality. So when it comes to, to that transition, it, it sounds to me like, once you hit the 40s, there's a, there's a, it's, it seems like an accelerated maturity uh, between the 30s and the 40s. And is there a huge difference between the 40-something youth pastor and the 50-something youth pastor? Yeah, the 50-something youth pastor, one of the, the, my, my title to that is grandfather. And, and that came, I was actually in a conference where somebody was trying, we were, at this, we were at a youth conference. I think you were actually there too uh, with some of your kids at a, at a local church that had put on and they were really pushing this concept that if we taught who God was, you know, get to the essence of God, then everything's going to fit in. Everything's going to be wonderful. And every, you know, the, the kids are going to grow in the Lord kind of concept. And, and I'm sitting there going, some kids don't like their father and God is love. But you know what? If we call God grandfather 
And I know theologically that's not good, but, but, but if you thought in terms of God being grandfather, everybody loves their grandfather. And I'm going like, dude, this is like awesome. And so I began to, so when I got to my thesis, I'm like going, uh, you know, what turn do I do? Well, grandfather and, and pretty much everybody loves their grandfather. So if you understand a little bit about youth culture, you definitely understand how to deal with teens because you've been doing this for years. The grandfather mode is just like really cool because you're just a loving, caring person who do, you're able to keep the teenagers in check because of the fact of all the things you know. So you're not yelling at them. You're, you're able to cut it off early, to stop it, to understand things that are going to happen and be able to work with these teenagers. And so grandfather becomes an awesome, awesome time of ministry. And a lot of guys never get there uh, because they, they bail for whatever reason in the crisis mode of their earlier days of the pressure to be a pastor or, or going to a different realm of, of ministry. Uh, but if you love teenagers and you really care about them, the, the grandfather mode is just, it's just a huge, wonderful place to be. Um, now, there's some things in that. One, you do come up with what's termed in, in any kind of development, like the crisis of mortality. I'm going to die. And when I say that and you hear it, you're going like, well, I am too, but you don't think about dying like I do, okay? Because it's around the corner, you know, and I'm processing that all the time. I'm in a Friday morning men's group that we've been meeting since like 2001, uh, just together for Bible study and prayer and, and to hang out. And, and we've went through it all. I mean, teenagers in our home, our kids going off on their own. We're now in the grandparenting stage. And, and two of the guys are retired, or three of the guys technically are retired, two guys, me and one other guy's not. And, and so we're processing kind of that as they go through that. And right around the edge, and we've talked about it a few times, we're now talking about death. You know, that we're, one day we're going to be gone, you know, and, and that, what does that really mean? How does faith play out uh, in this can concept? I've preached heaven, I've preached Jesus all these years, and, and I'm a, right around the corner of meeting him. Without the power of the Holy Spirit or the grace of God to give the level of assurity that you hear about people on their deathbed. Okay, so that's a whole different world now uh, than I'm thinking through as, a, as an adult of 60 years old. So this 50 to 59 zone is when that kind of begins. Um, you also begin to think about how your ministry is going to end. I mean, like when you're in your 40s, ministry is going to go on forever, you know, even in youth ministry. But as you hit, you know, the, the 50s, wait a second, this is going to end someday. What is that going to look like? And so those are things that are weighing heavy on that 50-somethings mind, and they begin to dream ahead of what ministry is going to finish like. Uh, now, the positive is this. Parent ministry is awesome because you are one, and you have been one. And you, by this time, somewhere in this process, you're getting the kids out of your house, um, which can also be good as long as your wife's okay with that. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, they're gone. But, it, but it's also this concept that you understand all the ins and outs. Somewhere in your 40s and into your 50s, you have that first child hit puberty. And it radically changes how you see adolescence. And, and I can tell you, I graduated with a, you know, a, my, my degree was in church ministries with a focus on youth ministry. Uh, my wife has a, a bachelor's in social work and a master's in counseling. And when we had our first teenager in our home, our son, it like freaked me out. And this is what I do for a living okay, <laughs> is work with teenagers. My wife works with teenagers in this inner city ministry. We have been around teenagers all of our life. And all of a sudden we had one in our home. 
And that happened like into our 40s and then our 50s. We had the other kid entering adolescence, uh, all the things that went on with that. Um, I had three daughters, had a son and three daughters. I had no sisters. So this was a whole new world once my son went away to have nothing but women in my house. That was kind of freaky. Uh, and, and so you're walking through that. But you take all those stories, all those pieces that you wrestle through with the knowledge that you have of God's word. And now you can walk beside parents. And a whole lot more of my parent ministry is in, done in the hallways of the church than ever in a classroom. And so that's part of that grandfatherly role. The church that I'm serving at now wanted somebody who had already raised their kids. That's the vision they had. They were looking for this older guy. And, and it was because of the makeup of the staff. And they saw that as a huge hole. Parents saw that as a huge hole. And, and so part of the reason I'm where I'm at is because we had already raised our kids. And so that's huge. Your parent ministry concept becomes much, much better. You also, the grandfather, and the reason you love your grandfather so much in real life is because they mellowed in this adjustment to life. And so in ministry, you find yourself mellowing. And so that it's not so much the push, push, push. It's not so much this cuts that you got to, you know, it's got to be this way. It's got to be this way. God has, has kind of chiseled off a lot of the corners by the time you're in your 50s. And so you're, you're cruising more. Just kind of, you know, and so it's more of a mellow approach there. Um, you understand a bunch of different options. I just went with David. We talked free about the van situation, uh, in the world of COVID, you know, and my committee said, my leadership committee said, we, you know, we think mask and sanitizing in and out will be fine. I took it to the staff and my pastor said, no, we need to maintain six foot distance. And when he said that, it wasn't like, oh, there's a fight I got to have, you know, it was like, okay, you know, cause I was kind of in between. I just, I want to do what's right. You know? kind of thing. And uh, it was fine. So th there is this aspect of being open to various opinions and the such. Uh, and then because you've been there a long time, you, you have the ability for conflict resolution because you've been through a lot of conflict in the church world. Church world's tough. Uh, and in those early days, you find yourself fighting for things that you probably shouldn't have uh, and getting hurt or hurting your ministry. And when you're older, you, you know how to blend and, and build and so the grandfather understands that better. You talked about parents just a minute ago, kind of in your maturity as it's, as it's growing in that. You know how you can come alongside parents and teens better in conflict resolution, but also ministry personal personalities. Uh, you know, in my church where I'm at now, I, I can tell you that there was a group that played instruments, I'm not saying that they were with a worship team or anything, but there was a group that played instruments instruments and when I first got here there was tension in that group about what this person should do or that person should do you know and coming into that grandfather role you, you just kind of mellow it out and you don't take a fight for one side or the other you just kind of step to the plate as kind of coaching loving on both sides and and moving both sides a little closer to each other and recognizing it doesn't have to be done tomorrow it can be done in a year to a year and a half you know that kind of maturity kind of settles in that grandfathering figure is, is just one of those real positives of this age bracket. So as, as you move through that decade, is there a, is, is there one more age bracket, like the 60 plus, like, are there guys, how many guys are in the 60 plus years of youth ministry? Is it like you and two other guys? Yeah, there's, there's not <laughs> many. Uh, in my survey of 160, I had 161 youth ministers respond from Southern Baptist churches across the United States to about these. And out of that, there were four guys, I think it was four guys that were 60. 
Uh, and one of those was a pastor of a little itty bitty church who also did youth work because there was nobody doing it. So three guys that were actually in youth ministry in a local church at 60 years old across the entire Southern Baptist denomination that at least took my survey because uh, not everybody took my survey. Should have, but they didn't. Uh, but yeah, there are a few guys out there, but not a lot that really see it in that way. Uh, but, you know, a church can consider that 60 something person even in hiring them. And I was hired here at 59, uh, which was pretty amazing. What I said is God's sense of humor. And if any, any of us that's walked with the Lord very long, we can look back and go, no, you know, he's up there laughing, you know, because it's like, well, watch me do this kind of thing. And so here I've got this thing called 60, but I couldn't really name anybody who ever went to a church at 60 years old. There are guys that are 60 in the church who stayed 15, 20 years or whatever. But somebody who goes to a church at, at 60, I came here at 59. I actually looked at my teenagers before the vote, the day of the vote. I looked at my teenagers and I said these words. I said, look, guys, if you're going to give me a chance, trust me, I will learn to love you. We will develop ministry and we'll have a great time pursuing the Lord. But if you're not going to give me a chance because I'm 59 years old, when we finish this meeting, go tell your parents to vote no. Because there's no use in even trying this. You're not going to get a 20-something-year-old youth pastor to say that. Maybe not. But I was like, you know, I want it to work. And, yeah. and if, if it's going to work, they need to buy into it. We're going to give this guy a chance. I didn't say you had to accept me. I said, just give me a chance. Because I knew that based on who I am in ministry, if they gave me a chance and gave me some time, I could get to know the kids and they would get to know me and they would recognize how much I do care about them. Uh, and, and that took a while. I mean, I've been here two years and last year we've really felt some change. This year I'm looking at Jerry going, you know what, this COVID thing, one of the things it did, this is my youth ministry. Now. I was accepted last year, but it's now my ministry. And, and it took two years for me to be able to call it my ministry. What um, do you mean when you say my ministry? That, that the ghost of, of everything in the past has faded away. And everybody's okay with, they just, when they, when you think youth ministry at my church now, you think Rick. And not what happened before and those kind of things. And it, and it just took a little while uh, for, for that to take place. And so, the, and in that process, you got to be careful that you don't, you know, it's like I said to people, you got to let this happen naturally, because if you don't, uh, you become the kid at school who doesn't have any friends because he tries too hard to have friends. Yep. I've been friends with that guy. It's got to go natural and let God work. Uh, but in this world, some of the things that are positive about the 60 year old guys, one, his family's usually out of the house. So now you're back to the energy being able to be placed in the youth ministry. Uh, because you don't have the kids and, and the pull that the kids going to the, I got to go to this ball game or that ball game for my own personal biological kids. Uh, I got to be out of the house two nights or three nights a week for their sports while they're going through sports. So I don't have any energy to be out of the house more than I have to be for my teenagers and my youth men. Those things come back from those 20 somethings into the sixties. Now you also have an aspect. You don't have quite as much energy but the energy that you have can be poured into the lives of your students. And so there's a huge uh, positive there. The aspect of experience and wisdom in ministry, you've got so much under you uh, that, that you understand and can do in ministry. And not that every ministry is, is the, you do every ministry the same. You know, like, oh, I did this here, so I'll do this here. Because you do have to culturally fit uh, and 
out of the culturally fit, you also got to church fit. So, you know, regular culture, youth culture, but also church culture. And, and so it does change when you change churches, it does change who you are uh, some. But on the same end, you carry a lot of experience. One of those things that I brought into this ministry that's still relevant today uh, is the fact that youth ministry in the early days when I was in my 20s, it was all about bigger and better. Man, you got to do the next activity even bigger and better. We're now in a generation where families are so messed up that kids want annual events. And so you build this culture of looking forward to, oh, we did this event. I do an annual scavenger hunt. And it builds excitement because it's only going to be once a year. And are you going to win? And the kids look forward to that. And, and so lots of my stuff ends up this annual thing to look forward to. This, and, and so it's not the how can you do this so much bigger and better and cooler. It's that you get to do this. Uh, and, and families, my daughter runs a marketing company, her and her husband. I was throwing this out to her one time. I said, why is that? And she said, have you ever thought maybe because their families are falling apart? They don't have traditions like they used to have. There's no consistency. And, yeah. And so the church can bring that in now. So that's a different cultural change that back in the, uh, I guess, the 80s when I was in school, I'd have never thought about. And so cultural change, but experience then brings that in. So, so you've, you've got that. You've also weathered the storms of life. Like I have been asked to resign churches before. So I know that hurt and that pain that occurs uh, in that world. And, and so I process that. So. I understand some of those storms. I understand some of the hurt that the 20 something that hasn't experienced that yet really can struggle with. Um, now, the, one of the negatives I had down was we are resistant to change because we're old. And so, and so we got to we got to remind ourselves of that in the 60s, that it's OK to change. It's OK for some things to be different. Uh, it's OK to listen to some younger people who have energy and have vision and, and filter that through wisdom and age to come up with what God's got for your ministry. Um, and so that's a, that's a part of that. And part of that's discernment and having a better understanding in leadership on the leadership role. Uh, I, I am a huge John Maxwell fan. And one of the things John Maxwell talks about is the law of navigation. That as the leader, being able to look on the horizon, see what's happening and make course adjustments way back here to take your ship, your ministry where it needs to be. And, and the older you are, the easier that is to, to not just be tossed by every wave, but to be able to see the direction you need to head and be able to guide the ship through some waves to get out there. Um, also, as you get older, the concept of needing to be the guy, because a lot of youth ministers want to be the guy. Uh, I have not done my vlog yet on this, but I'm looking to do a vlog on the scripture that says uh, that I must be lifted up and draw all men to me. Many youth ministers think that that's about them and not Jesus. And I'm like, as you get older, you recognize I I'm just a tool of the Lord Jesus Christ here. And God's going to bring other people that I'm supposed to guide and lead and direct to work with me, to supplement what we're doing, uh, to love on kids for me, to be able to celebrate with a, a, a student leader a vo or a, vol a volunteer who is pouring into the life of a student. And, and they're the ones seeing that benefit to be able to just celebrate with them and not feel like, oh, I'm being slighted because that should be me. I'm the youth pastor. You know, so having that understanding really happens when you get much older. And then I've written down in one of my bullet points, thinking past his ministry to the ministry. And, and that's a critical aspect. And, and so in that world, what happens when you hit 60, and where I'm in right now at 61 years old, 
retire at 67. I'm in the process of, of beginning to lay the groundwork to pass the baton. Not to leave and somebody take over, but to pass the baton. Whether my, if my church can afford it to hire somebody a year in, a year and a half or so in to my still being here. And if the church can't afford it, I'm mentally planning to retire and still with the concept that the guy we hire is okay with me being here another year with the passing the torch gradually and volunteering my time for my church and my students and my youth ministry. And so you don't get that where you can see that in pastors who do retire at the lead pastor role. You don't see that in youth ministry roles hardly ever because very few guys have stayed till they're 60. But I see that as a huge positive to, to student ministry that that 60 something brings in on you. So 60 something, the reason the church may hire one is because the church is in turmoil. They need some kind of a transitionary pastor in the youth ministry that can solidify the youth ministry, lay some stuff, some groundwork in that, that is okay with some of the damage that the former guys have done to love and care the youth ministry and the kids through that to get them to the next level. But then knowing they're going to leave at a certain time, that they're willing to pass the torch to the next guy. And, and so you can take a, a youth ministry who's went through a lot of youth ministers and use that 60 something to really benefit. Uh, one, one pastor of a, of a large church uh, here in the state of Virginia, uh, I went up to him, his youth minister had left uh, a while back and I'd gotten word that his youth minister had left. And so I went to him uh, during a state convention and just approached him, told him who I was and, and said uh, to say, look, this is my thesis. This is my heartbeat. I want to help churches do a better job of hiring. They had already hired somebody who was still there, which I'm glad he's still there. This was about three years ago. So he's still there and I guess he's doing okay. But I was trying to share with this pastor, you know, I'm willing to come alongside and help. And he looked at me, he said, named his church and said, yeah, in our church, when you look up revolving door, our church is one of the examples in the area of youth ministry. And I was like, That's what I'm trying to break. I'm trying to break this you know, concept of churches being okay with that. Because on that, every kid gets hurt. Uh, and my, part of my motivation came, one of my stories is when I was a teenager and we got our third youth pastor, me and a friend went into our youth minister's office looking eyeball to eyeball. Now, you got to remember, I'm a teenager right now looking at an adult. And I looked at him and said, hey, we just wanted to know something. Do you want us to bend over so you can climb on our backs to get the senior pastor? Because we were just that bitter about this process. Hey, um, I hear you, man. I had five. Yeah. Uh, well, I started uh, when I became a, a kid in the youth ministry as a teenager. Um, our youth pastor had been there for years, and, and there was some transition stuff with the senior pastor. And because of that, um, he he ended up being pushed out. Um, and then over the course of the next two or three years, uh, we went through three more. And then we got to the fifth one, and he lasted a little longer than the rest of them. But he eventually kind of got ousted too. And I, by the third one, I was like, I'm just going to make your life a living hell for the first six months to see if you're going to stick around. Right. And if you can deal with me like that for six months, maybe I'll think about starting to potentially think about trusting you, right. <laughs> you know, because it can, it can hurt. And so I think that that's one of the things that makes um, not just having longevity and ministry valuable, but figuring out how to make longevity and ministry doable. Cause you've got 
So I've got, uh, I wrote some stuff down while you were talking, but you've got the peer in your 20s, the mentor in your 30s, the father figure in your 40s, the grandfather figure in, the, in your 50s. What was, uh, what was the one for the 60s? What 60s would you call that guy? Pretty much just in, you're just staying in your grandfather figure. Okay. Uh, I didn't really ter- term that. And, and part of that was because one, kind of once you get your grandfather, the next is kind of dead. And I didn't want to put that down. <laughs> Uh, but it, no, it is, but it is kind of just a, it's it, the the key there is kind of because I liked kind of the father grandfather, but it would be kind of that the transitionary torch passer if you're going to give it a title because you have this there is an end, and because of that you can help the church negotiate and navigate that path to the next guy, and, and there's nothing that you don't feel bad about that at all because you know that there's coming to be you know there's supposed to be this end eventually in sight. So helping the church process this is a huge part of what that 60-something guy can do. And, and, that, and that makes sense, having a guy like that, because I think uh, I would submit from just from the stories I've heard and from the things I've been a part of, I think it's probably a majority of churches that don't know how to transition peacefully between senior and semi-senior leadership, whether it's the senior pastor, youth pastor, um, someone who has been doing something in the pastoral role for a long period of time, even for short periods of time, uh, there's a difficulty in figuring out what that transition needs to look like and, and how it happens. And, and that, so as, as we wrap up about this, um, behind you, I know this, you guys listening on the podcast can only hear us, but uh, behind Rick right now is this big uh, screen with a logo on it, it says Youth Doc, and we'll put the link to his website in the show notes. But um, with, the, with the thesis that you have done, and and you've mentioned this a couple times throughout the conversation. Um, what is what is the what is the goal of Youth Doc, and what is what is it you're trying to accomplish with the thesis and and the work you've done with that specifically? Yeah, for for that bottom line is that uh, I just want to help youth ministers process uh, youth ministry better to be kind of a, a, that cushion uh, through experience. Um, so so with a doctorate. I've spent a lot of time in education. Somebody said, why did you go get your doctorate? And I told them it's basically because I'm lazy and they made you read. Uh, so that was, a, that was a positive for me because I'm a lazy reader, uh, even though my, my wife's not, but I have been. And, and so my educational process has really pushed me in growth and in reading. Taking that and experience, I want to come alongside youth ministers to help them process and for the thesis to process aging, but also then process aspects of youth ministry uh, and, and kind of understanding better some aspects of youth ministry, uh, wrestling with things that can be complicated. Uh, like you know, one of the hardest questions I ever have asked is, what do you do all day? And you're like going, I don't know. Uh, but also, also, though, to challenge how many hours should you work, uh, to challenge youth ministers to recognize, but call them over the relational aspect of youth ministry with the question as I walk up to guys and say, so tell me something, if you grew up in the church, tell me something your youth pastor taught you when you were going through youth ministry. To watch them stare at me blankly almost every time and go, man, I don't know, to say, right. But the relationship is the key. And so understand your pulpit is not as important as the couch or as the bar height tables we brought into our student center for a reason, because I, I can engage students without sitting down and just kind of walking up to them. and. So there was purpose in that, even how we designed our youth ministry uh, room when I came here. Uh, And so those are the kind of things I want to pour into student pastors. For churches and for pastors, I just want them to understand how to hire better. uh, Because I do think in hiring better comes longevity. 
the guys who have found themselves ousted in a church, many times it's not because of them. Now, they may have made a mistake or two. The biggest mistake they made was you, they interviewed for a job and not a ministry. And so I'm hoping to help student pastors understand better how to interview for ministry, but also for churches to better understand how to hire for ministry. Because every, every youth pastor change hurts the kids. And, and we continue to step on kids. and step, We continue to say we love kids, but we continue to step on them. And I'm hoping that we as churches that love teenagers and we as youth ministers who love teenagers get a better understanding. And Youth Doc is about helping people get a better understanding so we truly love on our kids and point our kids to Jesus through that love aspect. But once again, I've seen all over the place. And, and I started saying, I didn't say it first. Jesus said it first. But before I started seeing it all over the place, I began to I began to say the words, Jesus gave us two great commands, love God and love others. And then he says these words, in all things hang on, all the law and the prophets technically, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And so if we can wrestle the love God and love others, everything else begins to have the hook. And everything you learn has to have a hook. You've done any memory work whatsoever. It's all about the hook. You know, when you get a new piece of information, and what do you hook that to? And if you can hook it to the fact my youth pastor loved me, and this is a principle he taught, I may lose the principle as far as how to express it, but the principle settles in. Why? Because my youth pastor loved me. And so getting people to understand those kind of things, that's where Youth Doc's drive is, just to help the body of Christ. I've been a huge local church guy and a huge universal church guy all at the same time uh, throughout most of my days and what I wanted to do in ministry. And youth doc is just an expression of that. Wow. That, that's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that anybody out here who's listening to this is uh, hopefully maybe even writing down notes or something, but if someone wanted to get in touch with you and maybe process what decade they're currently in, or if a church wanted to get in touch with you because their search committee is wallowing in 200 resumes and they don't know what to do, uh, what would be the best way to contact you right now? Right now, probably just hit me with an email. Uh, it's real simple. Youth doc. Now that is U-T-H-D-O-C. So at gmail.com. When I started, when I launched the channel, uh, one of the first things I did is secure everything except for Instagram. And somebody already had youth doc on Instagram. So it's youth doc one. I'm like, how did somebody else have that? But, but <laughs> my Twitter feed is youth doc. Uh, you know, the, the Twitter, my Gmail, my, my YouTube page, all of those, my Facebook, all that is, is youth doc. I mean, you can message me on Facebook. Also, if you're a huge Facebook person, have a, a, both a group as well as a uh, regular page on there, all under Youth Doc. Uh, but it is the UTH uh, as opposed to the YOUTH. So youthdoc at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Uh, I'll get back with you and be able to catch up to you, figure out what's going, what's going on with you, what questions you may have, uh, or be able to come speak, share, uh, or, or what. I will say this as a shameless plug as of right now. Uh, as far as speaking in the such, the, my church pays me. Um, this is one of those soapboxes, if you want to say something, you know, like a soapbox. My church pays me. Uh, my church pays me well. I, I'm thrilled to be at my church. Uh, so giving my services in other places and other ways and be able to help the body of Christ is something that if you want to give a free wall offering, that's fine. If you don't, uh, that's fine too. I will trust God on the rest of that. And I know that's just one of my soapboxes. Sorry, but it's like, I just want to be there for whoever. 
and, and my church does take care of me. Uh, and I am blessed with a church that has, even, even when I came to this church, uh, I came to a little bit smaller church and I left. I left because of a pastoral change. And it wasn't like he was a terrible guy. We just didn't fit. Uh, and so I want to make sure that's clear. I recognize we didn't fit. And, and so it was probably time for me to, to move on. And, and it came here to this church being excited about youth ministry and actually thinking I was going to cut a 10, take a $10,000 cut in pay uh, to, to come here. And this church paid me within $300 of what I was making at my other church. Uh, so this church has, has a love for teenagers and they cared for me uh, tremendously. And, and it has been a great fit. The only conflict I've had with my pastor, and for those that are listening that have been anywhere around the Kentucky area, you'll understand this. The only conflict I have is I've been a University of Kentucky basketball fan, and my pastor is a, is a Louisville fan, uh, a Louisville Cardinal fan. And I was like, dude, if I had known that, I wouldn't have came. Uh, <laughs> that's the only conflict we've had uh, since I've been here for two years. He's a great guy, and I love him uh, to death and thrilled that God has brought uh, my wife and myself here to this ministry. Well, Rick, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. Um, I appreciate all of you who are listening for sticking it out this long. I know today was a long one, but uh, I found the information invaluable and super helpful. And uh, Rick is a great friend, not just a mentor. I was very excited uh, over the course of the three and a half years that we got to know each other to be able to move from calling him a mentor to calling him a friend. And uh, if you guys... Uh, would love to uh, just reach out to him. Uh, if you've got questions, feel free to do that. He's a great guy. Um, and I just want to say thank you um, once again, Rick, for coming on. I really appreciate you and your friendship and the the things that you, the truths that you've spoken into my life in ministry over the last few years. Thanks, David. I appreciate the time to be able to share. This is a passion that I have. Awesome. Have a good one. Take care. Well, guys, I am really, uh, really thankful for Rick and just some invaluable insight on aging in ministry. Because one thing that, that I hear all the time, even from a local youth pastor here in my area, that is, I'm getting too old. Uh, maybe I need to get out of youth ministry because I can't connect as good. And Rick really puts it in perspective how that's not the type of mentality that we need to have as youth leaders. Yeah, and I love the... I've, I've been through the, the decade of the 20s, and I'm at the beginning of the decade of the 30s. And as a young guy looking at the future and listening to this, it's kind of like seeing my own future when he talked about the 40s, 50s, and, and up, about like what life may look like for me as I continue to serve the Lord in youth ministry. So, I, I mean, I learned a lot about what life should be or could be now, but also what's going to come in the future. And I, I'm excited to see... Uh, what the Lord's going to do. And um, if you guys um, do want to reach out with him, we'll have the information, how to get in contact with him in the show notes um, for youth doc. And, um, and we'd love to get him in touch with you. If you guys have more questions or maybe even if you just want to find out a little bit about more about the decade that you're currently in, in your youth ministry world. So uh, we do want to thank you for listening. I really appreciate those of you who stuck all the way with us to the end. I know this is a bit of a long one today, so uh, hopefully you were like mowing your lawn or something. But um, if you have been listening for a while and you've not yet, please leave a comment and a star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever other platform you're able to leave reviews on. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, that helps us keep uh, near the top of the list for those who are looking for solid youth ministry contact, helps them find us more easy, easily. And uh, uh, we'd love to have you back for our next episode. 
Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.